Valhalla is brought to you by our great friends over at Parkway Poorhouse. If you're in Chattanooga or in the Chattanooga area, need a spot to grab some delicious grub, maybe an adult cold beverage, come on down to Parkway. Hang out on the patio, enjoy some watch parties with all your friends, have a good time. Um, as always, if you need to, visit Parkway Poorhouse to plan your visit today. On the episode today, Mike and I are going to be talking a little bit about the Arkansas game. How's this fan base going to react to a win, and how are they going to react to a loss? There's a lot riding on this game for Pruitt, I believe, and it's uh, it's going to be a big game for the fan base, honestly, and how they trust Pruitt. Uh, also, a couple fun questions. If Tennessee was an NFL team, who's their comp? Who would they be? Who's the next great college football dynasty? And Kim Palm, website that many believe and trust in, has Tennessee basketball ranked at number 20. Are national expectations a little bit lower than regional? About it today, we're going to be talking a lot about all these fun topics. Welcome to Valhalla. Welcome to Valhalla with my always wonderful co-host, Mike Piper. What's up, buddy? Nothing much, man. Just over here living the dream in Knoxville. Um, them balls, man. They're breaking my heart week in, week out. But other than that, everything's good. Can't complain. How you doing, I'm, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's been a really weird last couple of days, obviously, with the election going on. Weird stresses, you know? Like, I was staying up late last night. I'm not a big <laughs> political person. I don't yeah. know the ins and outs of politics, but here I was, 11, 30, 12 o'clock last night, just tuned in to I went back and forth between CNN, Fox News. I just kind of went through all of them just to see what everybody's saying. You know, it was, it was intriguing, not yeah. without sports, too. Um, yeah, so that, that's where I was. I was a little tired today, but, you know, rallied through with some caffeine, and here we are, baby, doing a little podcast. Love to hear it. Yeah, I was I was watching the election. I was actually at a party with some friends. Um, it was a good time, man, and I, I for whatever reason, I really enjoy watching the election, and I'm with you. I'm not typically somebody that's maybe super political one way or the other, but um, definitely voted and definitely, you know, got to enjoy the election night with some friends and it was a good that's time. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time. So I don't know, for what whatever reason, like I was always a big geography guy growing up. Um, and so I, it's kind of fun getting to see the maps, getting to see how the states vote. Um, yeah, and just same here. Following, following the uh, election. So. Yeah, especially because that you knew this was going to be close, so it's kind of like watching. I, I kind of feel like I was more watching like a college basketball game, like back and forth, like yeah. momentum, momentum shifts. I yeah. was into it. Like I felt, I felt that stress of a sports sporting event. You know, it was great. Yeah, tense. You got kind of got the guy you're rooting for, whoever that is, and um, yeah, it was good. But I don't want to spend too much time yeah, on that. No, we're, we're good. Uh, real quick, we we do want to touch. Last week was our boy Mike Pipe's bachelor party. How did that go, my friend? Man, if you've seen like any of the Hangover movies, just multiply that by three. And yes. that no, I'm just kidding. No, it was it was pretty laid back. It was, but we had a ton of fun. Uh, went to Calhoun's on the river to start it, and then uh, had a poker night. I don't know if anybody's seen the YouTube show series called uh, Hot Ones. It's like a hot sauce challenge. Um, we did that on Friday night. Tried the last dab. It's like the hottest hot sauce on the show, allegedly. I still say the bomb is hotter based on my experience, but last dab was pretty tough too. But anyway, Any we had, what anybody cry, anybody oh, throw up. Was I it bad? Up. I threw up. It was, it was oh, pretty bad. That's a deep burn. That's yeah. a deep burn. 
Yeah, not going to lie. I think it was kind of the mixture of foods. Like I had some weird stuff going on in my stomach. And then you threw in the last dab on top of all of that. And bam, it, yeah, the top came off about 10 minutes after I finished that last wing. But after that, I was good, you know? So, hey. And you made it, buddy. You hear stories. Thank you. You hear stories of people throwing up on your bachelor party and you think it's one thing. For me, it was, I, you know, incredibly hot, hot sauce, but (laughs) hey, um, so (laughs) shout out to the bomb. Shout out to the bomb. Shout out to the bomb. Shout out to last dab. Shout out to last dab. So speaking of last dab, um, segue of your lifetime. Is this the last dab for fanhood? If Tennessee loses this weekend. So what I'm asking is what's the reaction going to be if Tennessee loses this is coming from a fan base perspective. You can right, you right, lose right. them, or if Tennessee wins, where are they going to be at? Mm, man, uh, I think you might lose some people, and the reason I say that is because we are in year one of a Sam Pittman rebuild at Arkansas, and you could argue that Sam Pittman inherited a program at Arkansas that was in, I would say, a similar place to where we were as a program at the University of Tennessee when Jeremy Pruitt took over. So I think you're going to lose some fans. You're going to lose some interest if you go in and you lay a big egg against Arkansas, a a team that really we should be further along in the rebuilding process and a team that we've got more develop or we've got more talent than on paper, at least. So um, honestly, Pittman's got them rolling and we've had an extra week to prepare. I hope that can pay dividends, but what do you think going into this week? I mean, how pivotal is this for Jeremy Pruitt? Dude, I I really think this winds up being a huge turning point for a fan base from a fan base perspective. Like, because you know, obviously, he announced today that JG is the starting quarterback. My goodness, it's that's a huge whoa, like a huge gigantic sigh of sadness coming across a fan base. So he's got to win this thing, man. You go out there and you start. Jarrett, one more time, again, I mean, again, the aspect of it's week in, week out, what happened at Kentucky, we're not getting answers, obviously, and that's a coaching thing to give him that aspect, that mindset of it, is you're definitely not going to tell the, the fans or the media what what your actual, what's actually going on in practice. Like, okay, let's say there's a reason that he's starting Jarrett. I'm guessing it's because the other guys just aren't good enough. Right. Or lead, or some sort of like leadership quality. Maybe right. talent-wise they are, but leadership quality, who the guys trust on the field. Yeah. It sounds like it's Jarrett. And I don't know, man. I, it's If this team comes out, lays an egg again, against a <laughs> Felipe Franks team, that obviously has some confidence. Like they believe they can win games. Like they legit oh, yeah. believe like they're 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 on the confidence aspect of I think talent wise and maybe like play wise. Well, talent wise, I do think this Tennessee this Tennessee team is more talented overall, top to bottom. But from a play perspective, it's almost like crisscross, even though they're both kind of in the lower middle class, if you will, of SEC football right now. And I don't know, man. It, it's an opportunity for Jeremy to get back to baseline if they win. Um, maybe, maybe a baseline of okay, you know, at least we got one we're supposed to win. 
And I know that's not saying a lot, but that that buys you a couple weeks. That buys you some some heat off your off your back, you know, whatever the hot seat aspect. I know we talked about that last week. At least cools it down. Yeah. Um, but if he loses, you're losing a huge chunk of this fan base. There's gonna be a lot of people that's like, I don't even you're you've gone from the bye week. People are gonna tune in. They love this. They love Tennessee. So people are gonna watch. But I do think if they go out here and they lay an egg or play bad and squeak out a win, it it's gonna be tough to to really rally the troops because that's gonna crush this team. I think from that side of from the actual football team's perspective, it's who they if they look, go out here and lose to an Arkansas team that they're clearly more talented than top to bottom. Obviously. Arkansas is still good. Like Felipe Franks can play. It's not a terrible team. They had their best week offensively, I guess, against Texas A&M, even though they lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but this defensive line has to go out there and absolutely take them apart. I think that's yeah. a big one. You know, you're going to fire this defensive line coach, and you're going against an arc, a younger, relatively inexperienced offensive line in Arkansas. They got to show up and show out, man. That front seven's got to tear them apart. And Pruitt better make sure that happens. Uh, I really think that that's an opportunity if they go out and do similar to what the Titans did against the Bengals, where you thought that team was going to have 18 sacks against that Bengals team and they got zero. That can't happen to the same respect of Tennessee can't go out there against an inexperienced offensive line um, and put a bunch of zeros on the board for tackle for losses or sacks. So I don't know, man. There's there's a lot to be to be said if they lose this weekend, and that does not look good for Mr. Jeremy Pruitt. I don't think he's going to get fired, but I do say, from a fan's perspective, oh, yeah, the hellfire that rains down from the Knoxville media and from every social media justice, you know, justice on the uh, on the fan boards and twitters, it's going to be an absolute. Um, poop show if you will yeah shout out for making that pg-13 for all of our listeners um, that's what i'm here for man you know keeping it yeah. out there for the children all the kids man all the kids um yeah no i think it's just the reality of the situation i mean and, and to touch on a lot of the things that you said i mean when you got felipe franks who he's beaten tennessee before he's beaten i mean i don't know if you remember that 65 yard bomb he threw back in i guess that would have been 2017 did you feel the same when he when he did the point, you just oh, knew, right? He knew. He knew. Oh, man. And that guy, oh, I don't want to relive that day because I was actually in the swamp for that game. And, really? oh, I was there. I was eight rows back. I was in the end zone where literally I watched him catch it, like, right in front of my face. It was That's brutal, dude. I was taunted by 12-year-olds as I was exiting the stadium. Like, no joke. <laughs> I've never come so close to assaulting a minor as I did that day. But we've all been there. Yeah. Needless to say, uh, takeaway, Jeremy Pruitt is going with Garantano. That sucks. But honestly, that's what we're painting for. He's the football coach. We believe that he knows football better than the rest of us. I believe that. The man's coached 20 years of football at high school level, college level, coordinator level. For a lot of the best coaches in the country, I think he knows football. And, you know, I'm not a guy that's going to believe in him blindly like I've believed in Pruitt or like I believed in Butch for a time or believed in but I think you got to let the guy do his job. And if he's seen things on a week in, week out basis, and he's coached football for as long as he has, his dad's a football coach. Like, 
the man knows football. And so he's got good yeah. reason to do what he's doing. Whether that's going to lead to his detriment and his downfall or not, time will tell. But for right now, you got to go with what he thinks is best, and that's what he thinks is best. I think fans should shut up and just watch how the season plays out. You know, um, I get it. You know, you can be frustrated. It's cool to express that. But at the end of the day, it's his call to make. He's made the call. We don't agree, but we're not getting to see everything that he's seen. And we don't know football at the level he knows. So I don't know. That maybe is making the big thing is we just don't we we don't know we all believe we know a lot. I right. I, I am one of those people that I'm like I, I know football I know right. it well enough I understand players, uh, but X's and O's God I, I I wouldn't even be able to hold the chart that he writes on you know like I, it's right. things like that so that's the frustrating part of when you sit back as a fan you think you know the right moves, but you're not there every day. Right. And not even most of the Knoxville media is there. They're obviously not there anymore due to COVID restrictions. Right. So you're seeing a such a small piece of the puzzle. Such you know? a, such a little bit of piece. It's such a small piece. It's so tough. Um, where are you at as far as if they get back to, I don't know, let's say, let's say this team winds up at six and four and it's actually what, most people expected just a different route. Are you good with the season or do you feel like the route they took to get to six and four negates what your aspirations and hopes would be? No, I think if they get to six and four, you're definitely back on the proof. I mean, not as hard as I was after we finished the season on that long win streak, just because eight and five to me looks better than six and four, um, especially finishing with the bowl win and finishing with like a, what was it? A six game win streak, seven game win streak, six game six win streak. Game win. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think going forward, I'm going to be a little bit more skeptical and of Pruitt. And I, I think that he is a good coach. I think that he, honestly, I'm at a place where we've had a new coach every three years or every four years, or I guess we gave Butch close to five, but, We've hit the reset button. Um, we hit the reset button on Lane Kiffin. Then we hit the reset bu- button on Derek Dooley after three years. Then we hit the reset button on Butch Jones after five years. I'm kind of at a place where I'm done hitting the reset button. Let's give Pruitt four or five years, see if he can do it. And then, you know, we can make the call after maybe year four, year five. Unless the absolute wheels just fall off this thing. If he loses out and he finishes the season, you know, uh, with seven losses, six losses, whatever, then I think you're, you know, you're talking about something different at the end of the season. But, um, but I mean, if he's able to get to around 500, then I think you just got to keep rolling with him because I feel like most everybody knows and believes that he knows football. I think Fulmer thinks that he knows football. Fulmer thinks he's a great coach. I mean, I'll tell you what stood out to me. He had a walk-on that was leaving the program that was talking about what an amazing coach he was and that Tennessee was going to be winning national championships. So it's like, I to me, when a guy leaving the program is still saying positive things about the coach and the direction of the program, I think that suggests that the program is headed probably in the right direction. Yeah, same here. I, I There's so many compliments from multiple different Players, ex-players, uh, especially ex-Alabama guys, I know they, they have complimented him so much, uh, even back to his playing days at MTSU and Alabama. It's it's given a lot, man. There's, there's so many good compliments coming around from him. He knows the game and always has known the game is what it sounds like, too. Yep, yep. 
So these guys are, he's well-respected. Cheney's obviously well-respected. Um, they're going to be fine. I think, I think that's a tough one to get after, but, um, yeah, so many people and I, I am on the train. It's like, we can't keep paying people. We got to at least try. Yep. Rotate Especially some coaches. You just gave him. I mean, oof. stacks, man. Yep. Stacks. The buyout's over $10 million at this point, I believe. So it's like you buy him out, yeah. you're going to be in the same spot you're in with Butch Jones where he's going to be an assistant smoking cigars after he beats you, and you're going to be paying his check to let him take some basically assistant job where he's you know getting paid 30000 a year, and then you're paying the other $2 million that he's taking home every year. So he's going to get some assistant job in the SEC and come up and beat the crap out of freaking UT for the next you know eight years. Yeah, I, I, it's it's a very tough place to be in. I get it. I know where everybody's. This is actually a, the worst week. This could probably happen because I know everybody's at least stressed. You may not be mad, depending on who you you know voted for, or what your asper your thoughts were going to be on the election. But everybody's at least tense. Like I, I walked into uh, a restaurant here in Chattanooga last night, and you could just feel the tension around. Yep. And then now I saw, I could even feel it whenever I saw it on Twitter today, uh, Trey Loss, our, our boy, shout out Trey Loss, um, said, you know what? Uh, yeah, Pruitt is going to go with starting JG. I was like, oh man, here we go. So it wasn't as bad, it doesn't seem like, but you can definitely feel the, are you kidding me aspect? You, <laughs> are you kidding me? So I don't know, man. I, it. It's weird because I feel like there's a lot riding on this game, yeah. From a um, a futures perspective, because if you can't beat a mm, meh Arkansas team, You're a, optimistic, an optimistic and playing better Arkansas team, but a meh overall Arkansas team, that's not a good spot to be in, man. Not I a good spot. COVID year. I think if this isn't a COVID year, I think that that would be the end. Like I think that people. Because I think with it being year one of their rebuild and them literally being like winless in the SEC for the prior two years, just about like, I just, I think fans wouldn't accept that loss. I think there'll be maybe enough leniency with it being the COVID year that they're not going to write him off and want to fire him and maybe partially because of the extension too. But I think, I think you're going to lose a lot of the fan base irregardless if you lose to Arkansas this weekend. Same thoughts. Same thoughts, man. Word. Well, I one thing that we did take away from this segment is that Jeremy Pruitt, he's got a big old set of balls. <laughs> that he does, my friend. <laughs> and, um, you know, not to go back and revisit some of the same shower etiquette teachings that Derek Dooley showed our team back in, what was that, 2011-2012. But, um, man, we're proud here at, uh, at Chat 10 Sports. Welcome to Valhalla. We've got a new sponsor, Chase. And you want to tell them, tell them about our new sponsor? Man, our new sponsor is Manscaped, who is the best in below-the-waist grooming. <laughs> Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, baby. Manscaped, gone for years without using the right tools. Um. Yeah. Still living in the dark ages over here, man. Still living in the dark ages. I mean, you know, we've all gone down there and used these electric razors. Felt a little unsafe. You feel like you're performing surgery, man. You know, you get a little nick down there. You start bleeding. 
Scary, scary stuff. No more, man. No more. Manscaped, redesigned, electric trimmer. Manscaped's engineered the greatest ball trimmer ever created. And just released, we both got them, the Lawnmower 3.0. 3.0. Third generation trimmer. Cutting edge. Light on there, dude. They've got a light on there. Oh, you know what else they got? That ceramic blade. It's good stuff. Mm. Great stuff, my friend. Yeah. Dude, I'll tell you what's pretty nice about it. The other day, oh, yeah. I didn't even realize this, but I was sho- I was showering, and that thing's waterproof. You can take it in the shower with you, clean up while you're in there, rinse it off. You know, perfect situation, honestly. Game changer, my friend. Game changer. You got lights. You got waterproofism. You got 700 or 7,000, sorry, 7,000 RPM motor with a quiet stroke technology. So nobody even knows you're doing it. You don't want those awkward moments whenever people are just hearing that buzz. They know what that is. No, man. Nick free, quiet, waterproof. It's the best in the biz, man. All you got to do, use the code WTV initials for welcome to Valhalla. You get 20% 20 off plus free shipping. Just head over to manscaped.com. Make your testies their besties, baby. Love it. Love it. Yeah, and again, that code WTV20. Um, You're going to want to go enter that in at manscaped.com. You'll get that 20% off, free shipping. And uh, yeah, we'd love it. And I I can highly recommend the products. It's good stuff. Yes, sir. Yeah, help the show out, people. You're the best of all fans out there. Take care of yourself. Take care of your lower section. Lower section. <laughs> but yeah. So Mike, I think you had a question, a real good question today, buddy. Thank you. What thank was you. That question. So you know, I was one of the things I like to do is I always am like making comparisons of, uh, what's this or what's that or what's a good analogy for this, good analogy for that. I was kind of just thinking about NFL. I'm a pretty big NFL guy in addition to following Tennessee football real closely. And I've got a few fantasy teams, keep keep up pretty good with everything that's going on in the NFL. And I started asking myself, you know, I'm like, man, I wonder if I had to draw a parallel between an NFL team and the University of Tennessee football team, like who, who am I using? Like let's say I've got a guy, he doesn't know anything about college football, and I'm trying to kind of explain to him a little bit about what to, what UT is, the tradition, the program, the football team, by drawing parallels to that NFL program that they could be likened to. So, you know, I, I was thinking on this, and I don't know that there's a perfect one, but one, you know, the, the Cowboys jumped into mind because I'm thinking, okay, they haven't won anything in a long time, but they used to be really good. But then I started thinking, I was like, the Chicago Bears, and. The reason I think that is, A, they do have like this really strong, rich tradition. Um, they got the orange, you know, and then the big thing right now, they can't find a quarterback. You know, they've they've gone through Mitch Trubisky. Everybody thought he might be the truth. They missed out on guys like Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. Like, they, they really honestly blew it in the draft, and they haven't had a good quarterback in quite some time. They haven't won a Super Bowl in quite some time, um, and they've kind of been fighting for relevance. They're still one of the biggest brands in the NFL, I feel like. Just have a huge following, um, a lot of support, big fan base, a passionate fan base. I would say one of the most passionate fan bases in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think the Bears, they're up north, obviously, and and maybe different in certain ways. But I think because of their 
passionate fan base um, because of the rich tradition, because of the lack of quarterback that we're in the middle of right now. And they're a team that is, you know, heavily identified with their defensive prowess. And here we have Jeremy Pruitt, defensive coordinator. Granted, our defense isn't really as good as we wish it was, but, um, but anyway, yeah, that would be, that would be mine. I'm excited to hear yours because we talked about this before the show, but you kind of wanted to keep me hanging. So I'm yeah. curious to well, see what you, you come up with. You actually touched on it. I was going to say the Cowboys, and here's okay. my route. Great the 90s. Right, right. Great the 90s. Okay, legendary running back. I would. You can't obviously compare it perfectly because of the longevity you could have in the NFL and seasons, but I would say there were great running backs throughout that Tennessee yeah. run in the 90s, right? No doubt. So you can say great running game, legendary quarterback, Troy Aitman to Peyton Manning. Okay, okay. Championships. And I'll even go into like the 2000s where, you know, there was some okay teams Mm -hmm. in Dallas. There was some pretty decent teams for Tennessee. And then as you go along, you get these coaches. You mess out on some quarterbacks. Things just aren't working. Um, Talent's there sometimes. You're very well recognized. But then you got some down years. And let's get to like a – comparison of recent events we'll go jason garrett butch jones when you get to butch (laughs) and you get to jason you've got one great season in there you got dax rookie year they go 13 and 3 you're like holy crap talent we'll even say it's obviously not to the same powerhouse extent with 13 and 3 but that josh dobbs year you're like oh my gosh they're really this tennessee team's really good Really yeah. good. A lot of talent. A lot of talent. Misused that talent later on. Now you're starting to see they weren't very good. You're average. People still talk about you. Obviously, we're not to the same extent as the Cowboys as far as national media. I mean, Colin Callum Cowherd doesn't lead off with Tennessee Volunteers. He leads off the Cowboys. Right. You know, because everybody wants to talk. They're America's team, bro. They're we're America's not America's team. team. But we're not we're America's talking. team. But there are some... Even whenever you're mediocre. We haven't been good in 15 years. Let's just say it. Let's yeah. Just be even when you're mediocre, even when you're bad, the fan base is like, well, we're still really good. We, we're on our way. Yep. You know, Dak Prescott's really good. I mean, nine you know, and three. That's our best season in what, 15 best years? Season. 15 years. Maybe 20. I mean. Yeah. I'm going to get depressed. Anyway, back to the Cowboys. I like the comparison. It's perfect. Continue. Yeah, so I'm saying you've got loads of talent at certain spots. When your offense is good, your defense is bad. When your defense is good, your offense is meh. Yep. Like it's 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 there's never a balance. You got a mediocre coach that you want to believe in. He's got he's built some talent. Kind of a beta. Let's call it what it is. All right. Honestly, you're not wrong. That's the Jason Garrett to Butch Jones comparison is money. Like truly. Yeah. Like it's a. Uh, it's a it's a very simultaneous like even like how I almost because you still have to take in proportion of like how long players last on a team you know like you've right. got I'm trying to think there's not a great obviously there, there's no Jerry Jones I think that's the biggest missing key like, there's no Jerry Jones but taking from my the Godfather former dude no I'm just kidding uh, he's a you know he's not a tyrant. <laughs> no, he's, not. he's not an 80 year old tyrant 
that's what you think. But he's behind the scenes pulling all the strings, dude. He's a good like he's a he's a more relaxed Southern boy version. Where right. I know I know Gary or Jerry is a you know control freak a Southern man, you know, but he's the he's a tyrant version where I think I think he might be onto something. I think Phil might be just a you know, a good old grandpa, but actually he's a conniving grandpa that's running the show. Maybe. So I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. He could be. Hmm. A lot of legends there, man. A lot of legends. A lot uh, of legends. And, and a lot, a lot of show for it. You know? A lot of people in prominence. Yep. Dak. Josh. Kamara, Dak and Josh. Comparison. I will say that. Sure. Kamara and Zeke. I feel like they're kind of, I don't know. Both. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, I was trying to use. Like, I was thinking maybe because they do underutilize Zeke. Yeah, they underutilize Kamara and Herd. I almost have, you almost have to combine Herd and Kamara to be Zeke. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can see it. Jason Witten uh, was at the Cowboys for forever too. I mean, Tennessee boy. Yeah. Yeah. Connection. Um, what's some you know talented wide receivers can't get on the ball. Hmm. There's a lot that of things there. Play. There's a lot of things there throughout the years. Yeah, I mean, especially right now, they have probably the best receiving core in the NFL. I mean, one of them. The only other teams I would put in the running with them, I guess, would be, I don't know, Seattle's got a good receiving core with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, David Moore, but um, I don't know. CeeDee Lamb and Amar. Uh, yeah, we'll get into that later. Yeah. Yeah, and so I, I don't know. It's That's a tough one, and I just don't know. What's well, going to happen? Because it, it doesn't yeah. look good for either side. I mean, no. the Cowboys could wind up being the second worst team, and Bears I mean, are, they're not bad. No, they're not bad. The thing with like the Cowboys, man, they had that dynasty rolling in like the nineties, mm-hmm. and like one of the things that's been interesting for me in following, like I guess back to college football, like Clemson, and man, out of nowhere, they just became this powerhouse dynasty in college football, and like Trevor Lawrence, Dabo Swimmy. Sean Watson, like whoever you want to attribute it to, but they are rolling. And I'm just curious, like I was thinking about this this week. I was like, do you, do you think there's a program that you could see making a big jump like Clemson's made or even like Alabama made in the last 20 years when they transitioned um, and, and added Nick Saban? Do you think there's like a sleeping giant out there or, or a program that could turn into one of these powerhouses that we're seeing across the country right now? Man, I was trying to think about that. That's so tough because you almost have to have. Hmm. All right. Well, let's start with this. Cause actually I think this would be an interesting question too. Like, what do you think um, are the key elements to building a dynasty? Like what are maybe some common themes between uh, Clemson and even Alabama? Okay. So definitely being obviously the recruiting aspect. Right. Also, like, the mental toughness to not make mistakes in college football. You know what I'm saying? Like, Clemson and Alabama, even even in their earlier years, didn't miss tackles. Um, and I'll say this. Obviously, the first years weren't great for either. They were fine. Right. Um, but as that got going, second, third, and fourth years, they don't miss tackles. There's not a crap ton of penalties everywhere. Right. And that's tough 
for 18 to 22 year old kids. That's brutal. And especially, I think the biggest difference between the NFL and college football is execution on tackling. And they get their guys to tackle. They get their guys to take care of the ball. Um, and I think you almost have to be where Dabo and Nick are two different personalities. They're both monster personalities, yep. right? I'll even say, I mean, to a degree, it's really weird to say that about Nick, but he's so commanding and obviously he's got the clout. I mean, he had it from LSU, but he had it there as well. Like he's a, he's a big personality in a weird, in a different kind of way. Uh, where it's more, I don't know, commanding. Where Dabo's the fun, goofy, basic white dad that's just like making goofy jokes, creating a TikTok, and doesn't know what the heck he's doing. You know, just having fun. Obviously, he's a big energy guy, huge energy guy, all the time, loud, boisterous. That's who he is. He's gonna have fun with his guys. Um, but they execute well. Uh, so I I do think. I think the over-the-top love of football psycho mentality, I think that like you're always going to be in the film room, all that stuff. I think you have to be that. You have to be a great recruiter, and you teach execution better than everybody else. That's, that's the three. Big okay. personality, recruiting, and teaching – your players not to make the small mistakes. What are yours? What are you, what are you thinking, buddy? Sorry to be uh, wrong with it. No, I think that's a, a pretty good assessment. I think recruiting is number one, which the interesting thing to me is I was thinking about this is before Clemson really popped off. Like I never really thought South Carolina could be an elite recruiter. Like, and obviously Clemson and South Carolina are different, but their locations aren't incredibly different. No. Um, and I never really, I never imagined, like, even when South Carolina had Steve Spurrier, that never seemed like they recruited at, like, a top five level, you know? Like, yeah, they were, they were certainly maybe top 10 or top 11, top 8, top 9. Um, but it seemed like they never really were recruiting at the level that Clemson is recruited at, which I guess makes me hopeful that Tennessee could potentially one day get there. Um, or back there, I should say, because obviously we've been there, but it's been a good, you know, 20-year stretch. Um so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It It's it's tough to – I would say, like you said, like coaching the fundamentals is a big thing in execution and development. Um, I, do you think Jeremy Pruitt has the kind of personality that he could be a guy that leads a dynasty? I really – I hate to say this. I, I, do, I think – I don't think he has that kind of ceiling. Yep. Personally. I just don't yeah. think he has – think he's got a good personality i think we can get to decent win amount i just think his i think his ceiling has a limit where and maybe i'm wrong maybe i am i I, but i just don't know how i don't know i don't see there's aspects obviously um where you hope that he takes from nick and all of his coaches that he's had before um that you know he's learned like okay i'm gonna teach execution but it's just, it's obviously shown in year three, granted, weird year three, but in year three, there's still a lot of those mistakes making on the field week in, week out, and there's no consistency. 
recruiting's there, but and he's a big football guy, but I don't think he has the overall command of a team, whether that be through fun or whether that be through I think he has a respect to guys, but I think there's like a weird level from those kind of players or from those kind of coaches. Yeah. You know, like even like the respect that LSU team with so many studs on it last year, so many first round players they had for Ed Orgeron, it's different. I think a lot of our guys have a big respect for them, but what they kind of, I think a lot of our, I like a lot of Tennessee players have respect for Pruitt and I, a well-regarded respect. I'm not saying like, you know, the players like it. I'm just saying what LSU had for Ed Orgeron was like, Whoa. Now I don't know if that's going to be every team. I I don't know if that's going to be every LSU team. Right. But I know that's, I know that's that way for every Alabama team. And obviously it is for Clemson. Clemson guys come out there and you're like, Holy crap. If I see one more freaking first round talent, defensive lineman or wide receiver, like they're just a factory over there. Yep. So uh, obviously he gets the best. They those two get the best. I just don't know if Pruitt has that. I mean, do you think there is some sort of hope there? I think he could be. I think he's a guy that you could maybe get lucky with one year. Kind of like I, I I do agree with what you're saying about Ed Orgeron having more of his, the respect from his players um, potentially. Uh I think that. Though, like maybe if the stars align, that you could have enough talent that he could he could win you a championship. Because I do think, I think he's probably a top ten, or top. I would say a top ten mind in college football. Um, may, top fifteen for sure, but I would say top top ten mind in college football. Just as far as like how well regarded he was as a defensive coordinator, um, the yep. level of experience he has at pretty much every level of football. Um, well, I should say every level, but football through high, from high school all the way through the college ranks up to head coach. Um, so, you know, I, and I think the recruiting has gotten it's it's kind of stagnant, stagnated, stagnant, grown stagnant. We're around kind of ten. I feel like hovering. We can climb up to seven, climb up to eight, but that's just not a level where you're going to compete for national championships. If we're being honest, and I really think. We've kind of seen that, um, and obviously he's got more time to add top seven, top eight, top ten classes, um, and maybe if he can stack three or four of those on top of each other and add some player development in there, maybe we can get lucky and and make a run. But I think kind of what we've seen is we've had two pretty good classes, um, and then his first class wasn't maybe quite as strong, but basically he's had three classes since he got here, and we're still not really even close to competing with Florida. Well, I don't want to say Florida, but with Georgia or Alabama. Um, and potentially Florida as well. So I don't know. I, I want to believe that, you know, he can get us back to the top, but I would say based on what I've seen, I'm kind of with you. I don't know that his ceiling is, I definitely don't think his ceiling is dynasty level. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but I would say that, you know, honestly, he's probably a 10 and two kind of guy is what we could hope for. Maybe kind of a Mark Rick kind of guy. And then yeah, hope that's, a, that's can, a good way to look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you can set the program up and get it to a better place. And then you can, you know, build a better brand, attract top, more top-tier talent, and then eventually make that transition or make that next step to a guy hopefully better than Kirby Smart that can take you to that next level. Jab and tip. Yeah. yeah. I, I, to get back to your question of the dynasty thing, 
I know they're close. I know they've always been close, but I, I really do think Day and Ohio State can bring that to week in, week out. Are you kidding me? Like Justin Fields is a number one quarterback in any other year that doesn't have Trevor Lawrence or Andrew Luck, really. Uh, yeah. It's um, it's something special up there, and they're just going to keep being a factory. They're going to dominate that conference. Uh, Michigan's still wavering. They're going to have to I, – I don't – Harbaugh's clearly not the guy nope. to take them to prominence. They're, they're not – Michigan's not upper echelon. Nope. Um, Penn State's probably a better off program than they are, to be honest, I think. Um, especially right now. Especially right now. And, yeah. yeah, I think Ohio State has a chance, and that may be a product of the Big Ten being a little bit a little bit more depleted um, without the Michigans. Right. Uh, maybe, you know, there's obviously – there's obviously good teams year in and year out. You're going to always find talent up there, but maybe not to the quite same aspect, especially with Ohio State running away with it and just dominating. Um, so I, I could see that being another team that takes over. I mean, obviously Ohio State's been really good for a long time, but not quite Clemson, not quite Alabama. Um, them and Oklahoma are in that weird, really good tier two Seven. aspect. Yep. They're they're making the playoffs, but they're not going to win it. I so, would agree. Here we are. I think they're going to wind up. I think they're going to wind up being the next one. Did you have somebody in mind? No, I I mean I think uh, I was just saying Georgia. I feel like it's in that tier kind of with Ohio State and Oklahoma, where yeah. it's like seems like, like they're three of the next line, just out of reach. Um, you know, I yeah, I think I'm, I was kind of with you. The one that came to mind was Ohio State, even though like. Obviously, I understand they're a team that's in the running for the college football playoff every single year, um, whereas Clemson kind of had this meteoric rise, and even Alabama had this meteoric rise. I guess Texas is one that if they could ever figure it out, like the talent's there, the program's yeah. like such a huge program, um, the money's there, the you know the backing is there. Everybody wants that program to be – like what it was with Vince Young or what it was, you know, in years prior, Earl Campbell, those years. So, you know, I think that's one that's kind of like Alabama, where Alabama was kind of a sleeping giant for so long, and then they got the right coach, Nick Saban, and he kind of ignited it. Um, I mean, USC kind of has that potential. I just don't think that they have maybe the financial support and the, I don't know, it seems like Texas just has such a strong following and strong amount of support across the entire university across the entire state whereas south carolina or sorry south southern california they're kind of like did i say south carolina the first time i mentioned sc usc or no yeah okay thank you man okay it's all well, good. yeah i definitely meant southern california so if you're listening to this and you're thinking <laughs> that the game talks could be national powerhouse definitely didn't mean that but i just don't know that you know the team is going to be that big in LA. Like, I don't know that the fan base is as big in LA as it is for, uh, for Texas down in Austin. But I guess if I had to pick one that was like a dark horse candidate, I would pick Texas. If I had to pick one that I thought was going to be the next one to maybe pop off two or three national titles, I would say probably Ohio state. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Ohio state. And I think you're right on Georgia too, because it's, there's so much talent in Georgia. 
where I think Georgia at least is on a close level, obviously with Texas's size and stuff to compare. But as far as the talent level every year, there's so many great players coming out of the state of Georgia and Florida too. So, oh, I don't know, man. Um, want to move on to a little basketball. Uh, Kim Palm has this Tennessee team ranked at number 20. A little bit lower or higher, however you want to say that, than expected from national media members, I guess. So, what are your thoughts on that, buddy? Ken Palm, you know, this is the statisticians. These are the analytics guys. Yeah. I mean, Ken Palm is really, really reliable and really well regarded within the industry. Um, Don't say that. Makes it like <laughs> the 20th best team. Shut up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I didn't want to read that today either, but, um, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not loving it. I'm not, you know, ecstatic with a 20 ranking. I've really felt like this team would be a top 15 at least, maybe even top 12, perennial top 10 type team. Uh, I feel like the talents there. I feel like the mix of experience, youth, um, five star guys coming in. Rick Barnes, proven head coach. Uh, the SEC isn't really as competitive as a lot of the conferences. Well, I don't say a lot, but maybe the ACC or or you know, I, I don't know, the Big 12, some years yes, some years no, but um, Big 10, some years yes, some years no. But I just feel like it, it's pretty much us in Kentucky at the top in my estimation, I think. Um, maybe not year in and year out, but this year I just feel like there's no other team that really will be able to compete with us throughout the course of the schedule, like maybe other than Kentucky. Um, that's kind of the yeah. level that I think this Tennessee team should perform at, truthfully. What are your thoughts? I mean, do you think 20? Obviously, it's not crazy out of whack of what we were expecting. It's definitely lower than I was anticipating. Yeah, same here. I'm with you. I know we talked a little bit about it last week, but that 8, I know this is a wide variety of range, that 8 to 14 is where I expect this team to wind up being. I think think there's going to be a really good path to get some big wins and not so many bad losses. And, you know, the way the season's going to go, I, I think this Tennessee team's going to be really good, really good. There's so much talent, especially at the guard position. There's actual depth there this year. You know, you don't have Lamonte and Bowden doing everything as far as that spot goes, and Josiah as well. So you're only just getting better. So mm, the 20th thing – I get it because of there is a lot of youth. Um, it was, you know, just a slightly better than 500 team last year. I, I get all that. But the talent you acquire and another year under Rick Barnes, that's my main thing with this Tennessee team every year is Rick Barnes has been by far the best developer of talent year in and year out that I've Not seen even- in college basketball. And I love college basketball. This is maybe a little bit of homerism. Maybe I'm not as aware, but I I, I do feel like I'm pretty aware, and I, I see it year in year out that these guys get better yep. and better. He he makes there's some kid that's just like like oh you know Eves was fine. He's a defensive guy, and then all of a sudden he's knocking down forty percent from three, yep. and he's even better defender. And he's his wherewithal, his basketball awareness. That's another big. His basketball IQ went way up. He wasn't scared. There's confidence built. So year in, year out, 
He yep. only makes people better. Agreed. So I'm pumped. What do you think? Like, so I think we would probably both put uh, Rick Barnes as an elite level developer of talent, like if not one of the best or the best in the country. How do yeah. you feel about Rick Barnes as like an X's and O's kind of guy in game adjustment? Because one thing that's been glaring throughout his time is the fact that he gets whooped year in, year out by Bruce Pearl. And I'm just curious, what's your take on that? Um, the toughest part there is there's been some matchup deficiencies, but also I I don't, I think that's, that's a B like he's a B to, he's like a B minus B guy in the X's and O's obviously great recruiter. Mm-hmm. Um, great developer. Right. Has high points during games. Like some of his, um, uh, out of timeout plays are fantastic. But then there's other parts where you're like, what are we doing? Why are we using this? Uh, I think like even the demeanor and his respect, like, but I'd say like some of the end game stuff or preparation stuff, it's not wonderful because he's getting, like you said, he's getting whooped by Bruce Yep. every year Yep. by different teams. Yep. You know, and I say by different teams, I mean, they're not the same players every year. Like this is, these are, it's similar style. Um, but then also, you know, people are like, well, you know, he beats Kentucky. Well, you're beating a younger team most of the years. Um, yep. I think Calipari is an okay. Um, he's also a great developer, but I think he's also an, just a B B plus kind of guy for X's and O's. I think he just has so much talent and he develops him so well. I think, yep. I think Rick and that's another thing about Rick and Cal is, they both develop talent so well and they develop where I think Cal has to do it like within the year. I think Bruce, not Bruce, but uh, Barnes does such a good job year in, year out. Like it's almost a longevity process. And then even throughout the year, I think some guys get better because they develop into different roles, but yeah, I I don't know, man. I, I think that's one of these. Gosh, worst sounds terrible, but his one of his, Weaker qualities is like actual his X's and O's aspect, which I think is good. Just don't think it's great. Is right. that wrong? No, I, I think that's kind of my understanding of who he is as a coach. Um, you know, I feel like top five in the country at development. I would say honestly, top five in the country as a recruiter, as far as the level he's been able to recruit at Tennessee. You know, um, like obviously his classes haven't been top five year in and year out, but I don't think anybody thought yeah. we'd be going toe to toe with Duke, North Heck Carolina. Heck no. And honestly, winning a lot of those battles like we have in the last few years. Um, so I, I would give him, honestly, top five in the country in both development and as a recruiter. And then I would probably put him in like the top 20 to top 20. I w- yeah, I would say top 20 range as a X knows guys or top 25 range in the country as an X yeah. guy. Like definitely not trash, but also definitely not an elite. Like I would probably put Bruce Pearl in the top five in the country as far as X's and O's goes. Yeah. Yeah, but, that, that's that's a cool part. Like last thing on basketball, last uh, little touch here. That's that's a really cool part about the SEC right now is you probably have three of the best developers in talent with Bruce, Cal, and Rick. That's that's a stud lineup. That's yep. going to be great for years. Yep. And how close unless Cal finally takes the dump truck full of money from an NBA team. <laughs> 
yeah, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me. But how, I mean, think about how close Bruce Pearl was to winning a national championship at Auburn. Like, do you remember when he got to Auburn? Literally, they were a dumpster fire. Like, they were yeah. bottom of the SEC almost year in and year out. Kind of like when he went there, I thought, even though he had success at Tennessee, I just thought, I don't know that he'll be able to have success at Auburn. But turns out I was wrong. He's done extremely well there. And Auburn fans should count their blessings that he didn't get in trouble for a barbecue there because don't go, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't, you know, I love Rick Barnes, wouldn't trade him, but Bruce Pearl's a heck of a coach too. Yeah. That's another part of that is that's the what if game. Like where is Tennessee at as far as like a powerhouse? If you keep Bruce all these years, Oh my gosh, that's a, that's a crazy what if. Yep. Because that team was number one multiple times. You were recruiting at a high level. I'm talking studs. Yep. I think Bruce, like especially if he would have wound up being transitioning to that era of social media more so, you're already this established. This is speaking as a what if. You're already as an established powerhouse somewhat. You're getting you're on the up and up. You're at Tennessee. What happens if None of that happens. You win a natty or you get to a final four. Recruiting starts to become a little bit different. At that point, recruiting was going heavy social media. Guys were getting way better way earlier. Who knows, man? It could have been special. It could have been. I think you're either in big trouble with the NCAA or you won a national championship in that span. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And you'd have so much clout at this point. So that's a tough one. Yeah, that is a tough one, but. I think that was a kind of a fun and it's, it's good for me to also hear your perspective, you know, on, on the program and on Rick Barnes. Cause I guess that's my one knock and it's not even a big knock because I don't think that it's like this massive deficiency, but I do feel like he gets out coached from time to time. And you know, that's, yeah. but that, that'll, that'll happen regardless of who you are. Bruce Pearl has been out coached by people too. Um, so it's all good. Really, it's all good. It happens. So, but anyway, I, yeah, feel good. Uh, feel good. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah. You uh, glad you're back. Glad you're safe from your brutal bachelor party. Sounds like. So. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> hangover I'm, part four. Hangover part four. Gatlinburg. Gatlinburg. Honestly, um, if there's a place that other than Vegas that there should be a hangover filmed in, I feel like Gatlinburg's it. That's yeah. It's probably the number one. Yeah, Myrtle Beach, Gatlinburg, Branson, Missouri. Shout out to Branson. Uh, Branson, no free shout outs. No free shout outs. Man, it's been a good one today, buddy. We got Arkansas this weekend. Hope for the best. I'm going to be out in the woods, but mm. I think we are going to sneak off and go watch the Tennessee game. We'll, I'll be with some alumni. Um, so we're all going to sneak out and try to watch some foosball. So Love. we're going to see, man. We're going to see. There's a lot of. A lot of wavering fans right now, and yeah. it could it could go south in a hurry. So we'll see, bud. I don't mean to pre- be depressing in the end this pod, but <laughs> hey, it, just remember, it's great to be a tennis ball. All right, all right, baby. Welcome to Ball Hall, my friends and family. Y'all have a good one. All right.